1: My mission is simple. To make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to MAD Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, put it in context. So, call me at 1 800 743 CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What happens when the economy, both here and around the world, is really doing much, much better? What happens when the US government surprises us and does something that investors perceive as being very good for business, like this tax overhaul that many of us had given up on? I'll tell you what happens. We get a day like today where the Dow rocketed up 332 points. <laughs> to close above $24,000. <clears throat> and p vaulted 0.82%. NASDAQ gained 0.73% as investors decided they were willing to pay more for stocks because good old-fashioned companies, not just autonomous driving, Bitcoin operator, artificial intelligence-led, machine learning, keep delivering upside surprises. In short, you have to abandon all cynicism to understand this market. So let's go over what's happening. Because I want to show you what it takes to have this kind of rally. How many different things have to go right? Which, to be honest, shouldn't seem all that out there. I mean, 332 points on a 24,000 point basis is only a 1.4% move. It does sound bigger than it is. This market's been very tame lately. 332 points is worth noting, even as we're getting tremendously overbought. Now, to put things in context, you need to know that most strategists who are on the record have turned very negative on 2018, saying the valuations are getting stretched, which they are. So paying up here just isn't prudent, although people are doing that too. If big-time money managers are really worried about next year, they need to start selling now because their funds are too big to dump everything on December 31st. But at the same time, these funds need to outperform the averages or they'll lose their clients. And in a raging bull market like this one, can we stipulate that? You need to own stocks in order to outperform. So they face this impossible situation. They want to leave because of 2018, but if they leave, their annual performance will suffer which is why natural sellers right now aren't surfacing. This is that anointed winner's theory I like to talk about near the end of every year. I did it earlier this month, where money managers want to show their investors that they own the best performers, not that they sold them. And that's the first reason for what feels like a melt-up. Institutions can't find sellers until stocks move dramatically higher from where they are. How do you spot this? Just look at how little volume it takes to move stocks up. Check between 9.30 and 10.30. You'll find it. Something that happens when buyers need to pay up before anyone's willing to sell. They have to pay up to find supply is what it's called on the desk. Second, let's talk about which stocks are really roaring this time. They're mostly older companies that don't issue shares to their employees willy-nilly as though they're bottles of water or grains of sand. In fact, they're more likely to have sizable buybacks to keep the share cap under control or even shrink it dramatically. So the supply of readily available stock among these companies isn't there. As I scan the big movers, I find the ones with the best action are the companies that really just sit back and repurchase stocks every day, like Caterpillar, 3 Boeing, the rails, airlines. And don't forget the soaring stocks of the banks, which will be able to buy back a lot more stock with the new regulatory regime. More on that later. Third, I never thought I'd have this as one of the things that are mellow, but Washington. We're so used to the government hurting the stock market that we don't know what to do when the capital helps the market. Say what you want about this, President Trump. This is a guy who gets up and tweets about how proud he is of the fact that the stock market's hitting new highs under his watch. Now, you can argue about what's best for America as a whole, but having a president who views stocks as a barometer of success is clearly a good thing for people who own stocks. President Obama didn't seem to care about the market. Capital was not his constituency. And even the last Republican, George W. Bush, he was much more into promoting housing. Although that didn't end well. For Trump, the stock market is his Nielsen's and his approval ratings all wrapped up into a single bode package. Meanwhile, millions of Americans view the stock market as a good place to make money. They just buy index funds and hold them. Those investors now have some big gains. Hey, you know what? They can take some off the table if they want to, but they feel richer. And that's what makes you spend. Fourth. There's that actual tax bill. Again, I don't want to argue about the merits of this law for the country as a whole. And boy, they better pass it, or we're going to have a serious problem here for this day. But it's fabulous for all kinds of businesses, except for mostly tech companies that don't have uh, that don't have sprawling overseas operations. Yeah, that, again, that's a common characteristic of what's rally. It's a government-mandated rotation into domestic companies and companies that can uh, repatriate assets. Fifth, perhaps more important, the rest of the world's on fire. Think about it. For the last decade, there's always been some region, right, that was holding the country, the world back, and then the for and therefore us. I mean, first it was us, then it was Europe, then China, then Russia, then Europe again. What's bad now? Not much except Venezuela, which, by the way, is actually good for oil because it will curtail their production. And remember, this market likes higher oil prices. Six, you've got the raw data that comes out of the government. Every inflation number is low. Every employment number is high. Every wage number is just okay. Every spending number is pretty good. If you were back in economics 101, you'd have to throw away your textbooks because red-hot growth without inflation is simply not supposed to be able to happen. But it's happening. Sure, we'll have rate hikes, although at this pace, it'll take two years before they start to quit business. Okay, let's go deep. Seventh is the Rebel Alliance is successfully attacking the Death Star. Or in English, as powerful as Amazon is, it's not big enough to destroy everything, at least not yet. When Amazon bought Whole Foods, it sent the stock of Kroger, the largest independent grocer, down to 21 bucks. It was a brutal comeuppance. But today, Kroger announced some pretty good sales, and we realized that the Death Star hasn't killed them. Same time, Costco posted an extraordinary 8% increase in same store sales after gasoline, and the drugstores are doing better. Amazon hasn't killed them either. By the end of the day, it's clear that the most shorted group in the market, the retailers, just aren't complying with the short thesis. Why should they when PVH, which dominates a huge percentage of apparel, is crushing it? As CEO Manny Chirico told us last night, right here, this is the best holiday season in four years. Since no retailer is expecting that, and I mean none, there's not a lot of excess inventory which means there will not be a lot of sales, which means there will not be a pressure on a lot of gross margins, which means there will not be a lot of disappointments. Or put it another way, retail is going to have a holly jolly Christmas. Hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year. The eighth thing driving this market, what the heck else are you going to buy? There's still plenty of stocks that yield better than bonds, backed by companies with fabulous balance sheets that, unlike bonds, will actually raise their payouts over time. And the level of interest you get from bonds is awful. Stocks may have run. But compared to other asset classes, the market represents good value still. Oh, by the way, yes, of course, you can store money in Bitcoin. Be my guest. Stocks are a much safer alternative. Ninth, where are the disappointments? I can count on one hand the companies that have disappointed so far at this stage of the quarter. Why? Because it turns out that we're not at peak housing. We're not at peak auto. We're not at peak aerospace. We're not at peak travel. In fact, we're not at peak anything, at least for now. And that's all you care about in this market. That's what matters. Finally, it turns out that cynicism is not an investment strategy. You know, we've all been so conditioned to believe that everything's going to go wrong, right? That everything's rotten, that there's a malaise, nothing's good happening. We forget to look around. Look around where we work. It's going pretty well. Okay, sure, there's GE, which is doing badly. Then there's. Let me t- give me some time here. Uh, well, anyway, I, yeah, there's somebody else doing bad, too. And, and even GE, which has become an oil company in drag, could do better if the price of crude keeps climbing. Uh, give me some time. I'll come back with another that's disappointing. You know, maybe after the commercial break. Or maybe tomorrow's show. Okay. I'm looking at my executive producer. Hey, help me here. No help. No help whatsoever. Sticks with the GE theme. All right. So here's the bottom line. Good. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, all right, thank you. That's great. Another county I heard from. Fabulous. Okay, so, sure. That was the joke. Oh, right, yeah, thank you. Well, here's a th- conclusion. The bottom line good is good. Sure, there'll be things that go wrong. And heaven help us if we don't get a tax cut at this point, we're going to lose 500 Dow points in the blink of an eye. But right now, virtually everything is going right. This is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of market, and the answer at the moment is plenty. Hey, I'm going to Peter New York. Peter! Booyah, Jim, how are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm rocking. Good. How about you, Chief? <laughs> Pretty good. I want to thank you, first of all, for what
0: you do for America and the world with your well-informed stock tips. Thank and one more thing real quick. I want to thank you for the goodness of your heart all the charities that
2: you give to it, your uh, Danielle,
1: thank you but we the way we handle charities we don't have to talk about it, we just do it but you, thank are, you. But you are a true American patriot anyway, thank you. I'm calling about IDTI Oof. CEO was on your uh, show about a month ago it, it dropped about 9% I, I still believe in it, all good news integrated device technology I gave a talk today at this thing called the Deal Economy, and I mentioned this is one of 12 stocks that should be bought. And I got to tell you, as much as I love Greg Waters and her management team, this stock is too attractive to other companies, including Intel. I think IDTI, even up 27 percent, is my cup of tea. And I said that at the Deal Economy speech. How about we go to Glenn in Wisconsin, where we know Green Bay's hurt. Glenn.
2: Mr. Kramer, thank you for taking my call. Of course. I'm a, re- I'm a retired uh, Sherwin-Williams employee. I was with them for 33 years. I do have quite a bit of their stock. The stock, uh, quite frankly, has been like a rocket ship Yes. for the last 10 years. 10 years ago, it was at $65. Today, it's close to 400 My question to you is...
1: Should I uh, sell the stock? Should I hold the stock? Or should I be buying more? Okay, uh, here's the problem. Uh, We play at my diversified. We don't want to be too much in one stock. But, sir, you worked at an unbelievable company that is fabulous at what it does. And the Valspar acquisition was brilliant. And even here at $400, unless you had to diversify because we don't want to be constant in one eggs in one basket. Sherwin-Williams rocks. It rocks! Congratulations. How about we go to Maurice in Florida, please, Maurice. Uh, Mr. Kramer, how are you tonight? This I is am Maurice good, Polacco sir.
0: In sunny Florida. All right. My question has to do with Immunomedics, IMMU. Ugh. I've been in this stock a few times. Did very well. Now I'm in it again, and it's biting me. And uh, I don't have a lot of positive news on late trial drugs. What are your thoughts?
1: It's up 195%. Anything I see up that much, i got to tell you to cut it in half and play the house's money. Too dangerous. We can't have that. Not in this bull market. And that's a Morris Plains company. Hey, my daughter played against Morris Plains. We crushed them. Anyway, sure, there are many things that could derail the rally. But look at this list. Remember, we are getting overbought. Remember, it's okay to trim winning positions. But there's a lot of things going right. Well, Matt, tonight... After a parabolic move in the bank stocks, what should you do with that group? Morphing, my take. Then looking to juice your portfolio with an electric vehicle stock, I'm eyeing which place could get your portfolio to a higher voltage. And Idex Labs seems to have fallen out of favor in, re- in recent weeks. But with the company up 30% year-to-date, is it still the top dog in the space? We love them as pet owners. I'm going to get to the bottom of the move with the CEO. So stick with Kramer. Normally, I hate parabolic moves. I don't care if it's Bitcoin, tulips, or the Nasdaq, or oil, or blockchain, for that matter. A parabola is bad news. And I particularly despise parabolic rallies, the kind with a huge upward slope. When you see them in slower-growing industries, there's a word for that kind of action. And the word is unsustainable. Yet that's exactly what's been happening with the bank stocks in the last 72 hours. Parabolic moves that seem hard to justify based on the numbers. So what do you do with the financials? Look, managing your money is a lot like being a doctor. The ultimate imperative is always first do no harm, which I translate loosely as meaning no one ever got hurt taking a profit. My charitable trust just sold some Citigroup yesterday. when Went at $75 and change simply because we were up so much that I felt piggish. And you know what happens? You know when you feel p- piggish? Bulls make money. Bears make money, but the pigs, they get slaughtered. Now, these rules don't get repealed during a terrific rally. If anything, that's when your discipline becomes all the more essential. I can imagine Karen Kramer, who ran my trading desk, taping a post-it to my forehead saying, I didn't take profits in City when I had them. I deserve nothing less than total contempt. Yep, when I look at these bank stocks, I know that they can't keep going higher, at least with this velocity. And did you notice they started trading off at the end of the day? So where should they be trading? That question is hard to answer because this whole group is controlled by the XLF, the exchange-traded fund that traders use to blast in and out of the financials. Very much a tail that wags the dog situation. That's why the banks all seem to trade in lockstep, by the way, based on how aggressively we expect the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates as the financials become more and more profitable with each successive rate hike. The thing is, they really shouldn't be trading in lockstep. And that's my problem here. Some of these banks are dramatically undervalued on certain metrics. For example, why did uh, the trust still own Citi at all? Well, the tangible book value, what it would be worth if you shut down the company and liquidated everything, is just below the current stock price. That's too cheap but I still took a little off the table because it's unwise to be a pig. Now, if you ask me where the XLF should be, I can justify at least another 5% move conservatively based on the fact that we could get four rate hikes within the next year, including December bump-up. Remember, for the banks, a rate increase translates into a revenue increase almost immediately. And that's especially true for some banks more than others, like Bank of America, which has the largest deposit base. I think Bank of America makes for an interesting object lesson for you here. It sells at 15 times earnings versus its historical average of about 12 times earnings before the Great Recession. So it seems classically overvalued, at least toward itself, right? But when the Fed raises rates, the company will start charging you higher interest rates on your loans without paying you much more on your deposits. And I expect the earnings to get much bigger, a couple bill bigger. Now, consider some history. Bank of America stock traded at $54, $54 back in 2006, trades about half that now, before the crash. At the same time, the company had roughly 4.4 billion shares outstanding. Now, because they had to raise money, remember the Fed forced banks uh, and Treasury forced banks to raise stock, uh, to issue stock? They have 10.4 billion shares now. They paid out $2.40 per share in dividends going into the recession. It currently only uh, pays 35 cents. Well, that's up nicely from a few years ago, but way below what it has the capacity to pay without the government's restrictions. So here's the hard part. The XLF will make this stock trade with J.P. Morgan, which is far more expensive. And with Goldman Sachs, which is now incredibly cheap on a historical basis, even after today's big move. But I could easily argue that without the obama era regulations on the industry, many of which are going away, Bank of America's earnings power goes up much more than people realize. Same goes for the buybacks, for the dividend. So it's very difficult to argue that the stock's expensive. And other than the pricey J.P. Morgan, I could say the same thing about most of the stocks. They're still too cheap. So sure, you can trim your positions in the banks because no one likes to be a pig. But unlike so many other areas where valuations are getting pretty stretched, I think the financials on the whole have room to run. Maybe a lot of room to run now that we have a government that's way more pro-banking than any I have ever seen. Much more mad money ahead, including my take on the electric vehicle space. You know you love that. Which companies are powered up to accelerate? I'm eyeing the plays, fueling the move, and you don't want to miss it. Then, people consider pets part of their family. I do. I got to play on keeping them healthy. Remember, my dog is named NVIDIA. How could you not love that dog? Is it time to pick up some IDEX labs, or is the big move we made? And do your stocks have what it takes to survive the unknowns in this market? I'll be the judge when we play M-I-Diversify. So stick with Kramer. After today's incredibly bullish rally, I want you to remember that not every move has the same shelf life. You have short runs that expire very quickly. We call them rotations, where money's flowing out of one sector and into another en masse. That's what we've been having here. You have cyclical stocks that benefit from an expanding economy. When business is booming, they can fly higher for months, maybe even years. But sooner or later, the tide goes out, the economy does slow down, the Fed raises rates too far, and the cyclicals start drifting back to earth. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, especially not if the Senate can actually pass tax reform. It does look increasingly likely, but it will eventually happen. So if you're looking for the kind of stock that can give you a sustained long-term rally year after year after year, you need to find yourself a powerful secular growth trend, meaning a theme with so much staying power that the winners will probably keep winning for as far as the eye can see, regardless of the economy. That's why tonight I want to talk to you about another major transformation in American society that's still in its early innings, that I know you are crazy about. I'm talking about the rise of electric vehicles. Now, I could just tell you to go buy some Tesla, the one all-electric automaker, and leave it at that. But longtime viewers know that I think Tesla is a cult stock, which makes it notoriously difficult to analyze, let alone figure out where it deserves to trade. I could tell you to buy the utilities, as they're all running as if we're going to ban gasoline and mandate electric cars. But if interest rates get go higher, which they eventually will, believe me, you'll get crushed. Here's the thing. When one of these themes gets big enough, when people realize it truly represents a major secular shift, a tectonic shift in consumer behavior, like we're now seeing with electric cars, the direct beneficiaries of that trend often see their stocks trade up to nosebleed levels. That's why I like to hunt for the more tangential winners, the less obvious plays that tend to represent some better value. And when it comes to battery powered cars, my favorite tangential winners are. Albemarle, ah. which you know I've talked about, FMC, ah. and PPG Industries. Bye, bye, bye! All three, which I think are worth owning. Why? Let's start with the big picture, and then we can zoom into the specifics of each company. As far as I'm concerned, electric vehicles are indeed the future. And in the words of the late, great football coach George Allen, the future is now. You may not see the appeal, but you need to remember that millennials are incredibly environmentally conscious. And post-millennials, even more so. They're talking about that small print, f- footprint thing. You ever hear that? Oh, you have to have a small footprint. That's true. You do. They hate pumping fossil fuels into the atmosphere. But it's not just the kids. Some countries have actually unveiled plans to ban the internal combustion engine at some point in the future. Over the summer, France and the U.K. both said they're phase out gas and uh, diesel cars by 2040. China plans to do the same. They don't have a timeline. Plus, as the price of oil continues to recover, electrics become increasingly attractive. Pure is a way to save money on fuel. So you put it all together and you get an industry that is growing like a weed. Last year, more than uh, 750,000 plug-in electric vehicles were sold, 750,000 worldwide. That's up 40% from 2015. And this is a time when gasoline prices were dirt cheap. Overall, electric still represent a tiny fraction, about 2% in total. But to me, that just means that there's still tons of potential for the category to keep expanding. Younger people, listen, this is a trend. You buy it now in your teens and in your 20s. Put these away. Two days ago, analysts at UBS projected by 2025, one in six new cars would be electric. Now, that, that may be wildly optimistic, but the fact that it's even imaginable tells you everything you need to know. Meanwhile, the technology keeps getting better and better. The batteries last longer, which makes owning an electric car more viable. And there's more charging infrastructure, particularly in China. More broadly, everybody in the auto industry wants to be like Tesla, which has already moved beyond cars with its electric heavy-duty truck that it says is coming out in 2019. Last month, General Motors announced that they're rolling out two fully electric cars next year, 18 more coming by 2023. Uh, Just today, GM introduced its uh, new self-driving battery-powered Chevy Bolt, and they're hardly alone. It seems like the whole industry wants to jump on the electric bandwagon. By the way, Phil LeBeau covers this area better than anyone. Much of what I've learned is from him. But we talk stocks here, and in short, it's a really powerful secular trend, and i got to find some stocks to help you play besides GM and besides Tesla. First, I really like Albemarle and FMC. They're chemical companies. They both produce lithium, an essential ingredient in the kind of lithium-ion batteries that power electric cars. Autos are a game-changer for this business. Most rechargeable batteries use lithium. But while your laptop might need just an ounce of this stuff, I mean, that's all this really needs. Look at an ounce, okay? A high-performance electric car battery needs more than 100 pounds. 100 pounds of lithium. Albemarle is a special chemical company that supplies a broad range of industries. But what really got me excited about this one was its lithium compounds division. I recommended it roughly 18 months ago in May of 2016. The stock is giving you a phenomenal 80% gain. Nearly triple the return of the S&P 500. I bet it actually has more upside, although it's obviously run a great deal. How about FMC? This is another specialty chemical play that's mostly focused on the now booming agricultural space. Did you see the deer quarter last week? And this is thanks in part to a recent asset swap with Dow DuPont, where it was really just DuPont at that point, where they get some terrific businesses for much less than they were worth uh, since DuPont needed to sell in order to merge with Dow Chemical, one to get the government's blessing. But FMC also has a rapidly growing lithium business, one that the company plans to spin off as an own entity next year. It's a move that can unlock a lot of value. Now, I started recommending FMC in mid-January. Stocks up 60% and then S&P 16%. Now, both FMC and Albemarle reported very strong quarters earlier this month. But lately, Albemarle has caught a series of downgrades. Sell, 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 sell. But it's all because the stocks move so much. That said, Deutsche Bank took the stock from buy to hold based on a new worry, worried about lithium capacity coming out of China. So they think it could start putting downward pressure on prices. I don't call me skeptical, but Sociedad Quimica, which is Q-U-I-M-I-C-A, but it's pronounced Kimica, the Chilean mining concern that produces most of the world's raw lithium, says that demand for this stuff should double every five years going forward. That's more than enough to offset any new supply, even from China. But FMC and Albemarle certainly aren't as cheap as they used to be. Albemarle is 26 times earnings, noticeably. Much more expensive than when I first recommended. FMC a little more reasonable, 18 times. Albemarle has much more lithium exposure. FMC's cheaper. Its ag business is on fire. I will bet the stock keeps climbing. I like it. You can buy it here. Say you take Deutsche Bank's lithium concerns very seriously, though. Is there another tangential play on electric cars? Well, we've discovered it here on the show. It's PPG. The specialty chemical company it's all about coatings including coatings that insulate car batteries to keep them from catching on fire i've long been a fan of ppg but you know what it is darn cheap this one's trading at 14 times next year's numbers although it's a bit more of a backdoor play on the electrics than the other two as ceo michael mcgarry told us two weeks ago batteries require a huge amount of coatings ppg specially and it's working with all of the makers Hey, that sounds enticing to me. 14 times earnings with a lithium kicker? Here's the bottom line. When you find a powerful secular growth trend like electric cars, yes, stick with it. And that's why I still like FMC up here. Albemarle works on a pullback. And PPG? Let's just call it a plain bye-bye-bye. Jack in Ohio. Jack. Hello, Mr. Kramer. This is Jack calling from Columbus, Ohio. Nice. What's up? Uh, so I
0: bought AutoZone in August when it was at 530, and I'm just wondering whether you think I should sell now. No, and take no, no.
1: AutoZone was down because of a mild winter because everyone thought that Amazon was going to kill them. And guess what? Just like CVS, just like Walgreens, it's coming. Just like, The Death Star cannot hammer everyone. I think AutoZone is a buy-buy-buy. So, by the way, is advanced auto parts. And genuine, I'm working on that one, too. You stick with your stock. I'm going to Timothy in New York. Timothy. Jim, booyah. Booyah.
2: Uh, My question has to do with NGG, National Grid. It's got a juicy 5% dividend. Does it have any growth to go with that? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now
1: I have slighted it because I like Con Ed so much. And I should, be, I should be recommending National Grid, but the yield is actually the gross yield is lower than that. The gross yield comes in at 3.3. Um, I like Con Ed, but National Grid's a very, very good company. But Con Ed remains superior, I think. Okay. I need to go to Frank in Michigan. Frank.
0: Hi, Jim. Good afternoon. Yeah, My question five. has to do with uh, uh, lithium. As you well know, lithium batteries are used all over the place, cars, yes. power tools, electronic devices, et cetera. But I don't hear much said about lithium. In addition, the next-gen lithium-ion batteries are going to be using manganese, In some cases, cobalt and nickel, but particularly manganese. These batteries, in fact, uh, uh, Elon Musk is going to be using these uh, batteries as his core grid in his cars because they last longer, have much higher capacity, are uh, much more stable, environmentally friendly, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't hear much about those either. My question is, what is your take on these, particularly we, we lithium and manganese? We still think lithium. Manganese.
1: We still think lithium's the way to go, to Frank. Um, I know that nickel is a sucker's play; not going there at all. Manganese, there are only a couple companies that make it. I can't really think offhand who would be driven by manganese. I think we're still okay with lithium because, boy, remember, every company wants electric cars, not just Tesla. All right. We got a powerful secular growth trend going in electric cars. And you know what? FMC, I think, goes higher. PPG, sneaky play. And Albemarle on a pullback. What's more made money ahead. There's serious cash being spent in the animal kingdom. And Idex Labs is banking off the trend. The humanization of bats. But the stock's been losing some steam as of late. Would you be barking up the wrong tree Or maybe a buying opportunity? Then with U.S. stocks hitting all-time highs today, right, and the calendar's just about to flip to December, is your portfolio prepared for what's next? I'll decide when we play MI, reverse fund. I got to keep you, not just in fact. Plus, all your calls rapid fire. Tonight's edition of the lightning round. So stick with Kramer.
0: Tomorrow. Kick off the trading day was Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Very in sync
1: with, But up, Whole Foods. Millennials! Millennials. Whole Foods. Millennials. Whole Foods. Darn millennials. millennials.
0: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: After a record-shattering day for the market, I think we should take some time to think about stocks that are not on the new high list, because there might be some real value here. Take IDEX Laboratories, IDXX, the number one maker of diagnostic systems for animals, particularly pets, though they also have some livestock exposure. You know I've liked IDEX as a play on the humanization of pets. The idea that, is that we treat cats and dogs more and more like people, sometimes better than people, and we spend more money on their health care. And while this stock has been a fabulous performer longer term, it's up more than 30% for the year, it's pulled back pretty hard over the past five or six weeks. From So last week of October through the first week of November, IDEX tumbled from 168 down to 147. While it's back up to 156 today, it's certainly cheaper than it was a month and a half ago. The stock started getting hit uh, in the run-up to the most recent quarter. I'd actually reported on Halloween. And while the results were solid, 5-cent earnings beat on a 74-cent basis, slightly weaker than expected sales, and raised full year guidance, it wasn't enough to stop the decline. I think investors have to start circling back to this one. Although a pet diagnostics company really doesn't fit just now into the rubric of what's red-hot right here, namely industrials. That's okay with me. This is a long-term secular growth story. So let's check in with John Ayers. He's the chairman and CEO of Idex Laboratories. Learn more about his company. He's doing where it's headed. Mr. Chairs. welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, John. Yeah. Have a seat. Right, not only are do you run a great company, not only are you uh, maybe the biggest inventor of things that help our pets, but you're also incredibly transparent. I'm just going to read a line from Brian McKeon, who's your CFO. The third paragraph, he says, Over- Overall, organic growth for the quarter was 9% below our expectations. He didn't need to say that because you know 9% is impossible to come by for anybody else. Should we be worried that this man says this in the third paragraph of the conference call?
2: Well, I think, as you said, that's, uh, we, we like to be very, very transparent. Yeah. We think that's the benefit of shareholders. But we're very happy with 95 to 10% organic growth guidance for the year Okay, and 9 to 11 So a slight acceleration for guidance that we gave for next year, 2018. And we're one of the rare companies that give guidance for 2018, we can do so because we're a consistent, reliable, enduring,
1: recurring revenue growth. Okay, good. Because I, I had felt that there was nothing disappoint- nothing that was beneath expectation. But your guy pointed it out, so I thought we should bring it out. Now, let's talk about inventions because you've got a couple things coming that I think could actually accelerate growth. And you're being, I think, just, a, you know, you're maybe even being conservative. A couple new inventions. We've talked about liquid gold. John, uh, you know, I gotta always be honest with you, you've got a new, um, a fecal matter test that you think is gonna be huge. Yeah,
2: it uh, turns out dogs, you know, in the dog park, they get things that uh, get in their intestines. Yes. And a regular test is a fecal test, but that's done today primarily with a microscope. It's kind of old technology. Right. We're gonna apply bi- te- biotechnology to that, improve the sensitivity to whether the dog has worms, and make it much easier and faster to provide those results. This is gonna be a blockbuster point of care launch for us and we expect to bring it to the market mid 2018. So
1: this will really take the place of whatever's using for every vet if the vet wants to do what's right for our pets.
2: What as a standard standard of care. Standard
1: standard of care and standard part of any preventative care visit. Okay, now how about some uh, in-house chemistry platform uh, some things that you're doing. Now this is being in-house. I mean, I- I'm just trying to figure out there's another one besides this that you think is going to be you said two significant IDEX innovations.
2: Yeah. Right. So the 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 one the first one of course was the, the point of care fecal. Right. But the other thing is that we've really revolutionized the standard chemistry panel, the battery of tests that you have by adding an essential parameter we call SDMA. This detects kidney disease earlier and more accurately than okay. traditional parameters. We've tested over 12 million pets have benefited with our reference lab version. We're now going to bring it to our point of care chemistry analyzer. Vets run just as much chemistry in the, in the right. practice as they do when they send out. And we're adding it, and, and when vets come to appreciate that it's an essential part of a standard panel, they're gonna use IDEX.
1: Well, if it's in-house, that means that maybe my, I can have one appointment and, get, and wait? Not have to wait and come back. Exactly, exactly. Oh, you man, could have huge, the results during the appointment and
2: find out, you know, if there's any issues
1: and what what you should do uh, as a treatment plan that's right what there we would. in point. We call that real time care. Okay, now that's fantastic. Now, um, I do want to talk about millennials, just because the numbers that you gave us this time are incredible. Forty one percent say money is no object on their pets. No object. And These people don't have that much money. Yeah, that,
2: that that's the high for all the demographics. Uh, millennials are the pet generation. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know what we taught them, but they, 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 57% of millennials say that pets make them happier than almost anything else. And that's the high among the
1: generations. And, and I only leave, I've got to get this point. People who regard pets mentally therapeutic. It's incredible. Well, it's, uh, pets are, there's a lot of clinical studies that
2: pets improve our mental and, and physical well-being.
1: Well, look, I just think you guys are the innovator. I love the standard of care. I know enough vets to know that they're going to throw out what they have and give us this because we want results immediately for our dogs. We do not want to wait because we can't. We don't know what they're thinking. No, vets they, they don't Pets don't tell us, uh, do they? I sure wish they did. That's John Ayers. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Idex Laboratories. You want a long-term growth theme, humanization of pets? You want to know how to play it? It's this. Mad Money's back in. It is time! It's time for the lightning round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Skig? Dang, it's time for the lightning round, because we're going to start with Station in Florida Station. Hey, how are you doing, Jim? Nice to talk with you. Okay. Hey, can you hear me? Sure. Okay, well, I was asking about NASCO. Um, I... Have their stock for a number of years and i bought some more recently i just want to know if it, i, I make like right it decision? i don't know if i would buy it up here but you know what It's <laughs> these are you know cabinets uh, bathrooms paint that's all fine with me i think the housing thesis remains strong at least for now let's go to sandy in south carolina sandy thanks for having me on jim i'm of a course. fan of the show and i watch you most mornings. so booyah booyah and thank you and i love that crew in the morning what's going on my stock is Diplomat Pharmacy. I love the executive team, but the street was down on the recent acquisition. It's well, you know what? That's because, Sandy, we don't like specialty pharma. It hurt us so much during the downturn. I'm going to have to say stay away from that, honestly. I'd like to go to Tom in Oklahoma. Please, Tom.
2: Jim. Tom. Thanks for taking that call. Uh, longtime fan, first-time caller. Thank you. Uh, the, the, the one thing that I have gotten from you throughout the years is to be patient. And I finally learned that this year. About a year ago, I bought ADP. Uh, and it's done, it's done fairly well yes. through the process. Tell me what you think.
1: I like it very I much. Up? I think Carlos Rodriguez's stand-up. I know that fracas with Ackman is over. He's putting through a lot of what Ackman wanted. He's also doing a lot of good things. In the meantime, it's certainly in the sweet spot of what's happening in the economy. You get 2.2% yield. Ah. says enough let's go to George in Florida George hey Mr. Kramer how are you George so first of all I want to thank you for your awesome work and I truly admire you for that oh, thank you.
2: so Mr. Kramer my question today about today is about
1: CLF I was initially down 25% but now I'm about a break even so I was wondering um, what do you think should I continue oh, Wow, you're break even on cliffs your bre- break even on cliffs CLF that is the greatest news in the world. You know why? Because you can sell, 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 sell. Because we do not like that commodity one bit. of my hand. my Sell, 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 sell. Okay, because someone mentioned clips. How about Ravi in California? Ravi. Booyah, Professor Kramer. Happy holidays. gave me tenure tonight. How can I help? Yeah. I love reading and listening to your book. Thank you very much for the content. My question is about lost some scientific B- Oh, you know what? F- it was down a couple, it was like down a dollar and a half yesterday because of some problem they had with some approval. I mean, it was nonsense. I was going to tell them I was actually, ah, actually buy, thinking buy, about buy, doing buy, a buy, piece buy, buy. saying that you'd never get a chance to buy this one. This is it. And I want them to come on and say exactly what I did because they did and they're very convincing. Let's go to Dan and Maryland. Dan. Hey, Jim. Dan. It will be snowing soon and uh, they'll resort to simple MTN has been doing great. Veil Mountain? Oh, up, man, experiential! Bye-bye-bye! Bye-bye-bye! I bye, like bye. it on this pullback. And that Lay jump. the conclusion of the Lightning Round! The
0: Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: day for the market, Dow pushing right past 24,000. Now, wouldn't it be nice if all days were like today? Unfortunately, that's not always the case. That's why we're so critical. It's why we have to have a diversified portfolio. Speaking of which, if you watched the show yesterday, you know that I have never cared whether or not Am I Diversified is the most exhilarating thing in the world, whether it's even more fun than chutes and ladders, which I always won. I care that it helps investors from being crushed when things don't go our way. Like yesterday, when the beloved Fang stocks got knocked down a notch, anyone who owned all four of them got scorched. We play this game so often on the show because it's a game you really can't afford to go get wrong. So let's get to work. This is part of the show where you guys give me a call or a tweet and tell me your top five holdings. I'll let you know if your portfolio is diverse enough. Maybe you need to blow the whistle here. I'm going to start with a tweet from spark 99 who says, at Jim Kramer? I'm trying to stay diversified and I have Intel and Activision Blizzards. My others Blizzard. My other are Dal DuPont, Bank of America, and Kratos. Is that all right? Hashtag M. I. Diversified. All right, let's take a look at this. Uh ooh. Okay, Kratos, we like we like that one very much. Defense, you know, it's like fun. Um okay, now this is um insecurity. This is a tough one. Oh, Bank of America is not tough. That's great. Uh, Dal DuPont, a charitable trust name. So is Activism Blizzard, But Now, these two names are, would be considered tech. I'd like to consider this now, after all the things this Trout Zelnick has taught us from Take-Two, that this is entertainment and Intel is tech. Brian Krasanis is doing a remarkable job. So I'm going to bless this portfolio as fine. How about we go to Bob in my home state of New Jersey? Bob! Thank you for taking my call, Jim. Of course, Bob. Bob. Uh, my stock. I need a. I need a Tommy McDonald save here. Oh um, my. Going. They are. Go bers. Uh, N- N- Nvidia, Apple, Baba, Square, and Hewlett Packard Enterprises. Oh boy. Wow. This is why we play. Okay. Because. This trades with this, with trades with this, with trades with this, with trades with this. This is one stock, and I happen to love every one other than this, but that doesn't matter. We got to do some business here. All right, Nvidia, my dog's name Nvidia. Stock is peaking here for now; it's resting. Okay, Apple, we own it. Don't trade it. Square has moved up too much because of Bitcoin. This also has Bitcoin, shouldn't have that much. Alibaba, I'm going to bless this, a Chinese stock that I like. Hewlett-Packard had a bad quarter, okay? So what we're going to do, we're going to get a health Let's do UNH, all right? Let's get into UNH, Hewlett-Packard. Stock keeps going up like that. Well, maybe I'm going to pull back better. And we're going we're gonna to get rid of Square, and what we're going to do is we're going to buy a conglomerate. And why don't we get United Technologies in there? That would be terrific. And, um, oh, my God, NVIDIA and Apple, what do we do? We're going to we're gonna have to sell NVIDIA, even though my Chapel Trust owns it and Apple. And we'll pull up a, um, let me see, why don't we pull up, I was going to say an oil stock, but that would be too nasty, wouldn't it? You know what I want to do? Here's a little one I talked about today. Let's buy Fox. Fox A. I don't think you can stay independent. New name. Thank you. Okay. How about Zach in New York? Zach. Zach. Yeah. Zach. 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 Zach, you're up, man. You Zach. Hey, I, got, uh, I got five stocks here. Um, Constellation, STV from the hometown of Rochester. Uh, ED, or EW, I'm sorry, Edward Life Sciences. Bank of America. Amazon and AER, Aircap. All right. Do not adjust your audio. Um, OK, OK, OK. Let's go to work here. Bank of America is doing incredibly well. Don't forget, four rate hikes could be $2 billion for them. Amazon, I fell it down. I was saying today, if I had been in my hedge I would have bought that stock when it was down. Uh, Edwards, uh, this is, that's a different Edwards Life Science. Uh, it is a company that I think is doing far better than people realize. There's some guys who are downgraded It's medical. Uh, Constellation Brands is Modelo and Corona. We love it. Aircap is Aerospace. That's perfect. That's what I'm looking for. That nice fellow who wanted to Tommy McDonald say, you got to go to work right now and eliminate a lot of that tech, even though the tech is good. That's just the way to play it. Stick with I'm going to repeat something I said from my Diversified and from my bank piece. It's okay to do some trimming. Yes, it feels good. But i got to tell you something. We sold some banks and some other stuff for the travel trust. And even though they continued to go up, and they did, I don't mind. Because bulls make money, bears make money, and hogs, they get slaughtered. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I'll see you tomorrow.